Welcome to the Power for Good podcast. I'm your host, Christina Ray Almeida, entrepreneur, environmental advocate, somatic healer, life coach, and really just a grateful part of this beautiful planet. I'm also a former alcoholic and addict, and I'm here to ask some really hard questions while diving deep and discovering how influential people are using their power for good or not. What happens when someone goes through an awakening? Can people really change? How and why? Let's explore. In this episode, I connect with Mary Spirito of Ritual and Routine. She is an international intuitive healer and coach. Her mission is to help everyone remember that they are divine creator beings with an abundance of wisdom within. She helps people to uproot patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that are holding them back in favor of patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that will help propel them forward using tools like energy healing, hypnosis, breathwork, and her mind architect coaching method. Mary is absolutely raw, real, and fun. And so was this conversation. We dive into relationships with food, the brain, shadow work, manifestation, and even plant medicine. Let's jump in. Good morning, Mary. Welcome. Good morning, darling. (laughs) Are you ready? Are you awake? (laughs) I am. I'm actually in that perfect state where like, I'm just now feeling awake, but I'm still nice, zen, and calm. So it's from this space that real magic happens, I feel like. Oh my gosh, yes. Magic in the morning. Well, you look beautiful and so happy to be here with you. Let me start by telling everyone listening to this what made me absolutely love Mary as a person from the start. Um, I just absolutely adore how authentic and real you are. I love that you just tell it how it is. You're honest, you're sincere, and you share your stories so openly, and it's just wonderful. What I really loved, I think when I first saw your Instagram, which is how I was first um, connected with you, I think you were discussing intuitive eating, and that was the first time I'd actually ever heard about intuitive eating, and I'll never forget it because you had a picture of like this big delicious pastry, <laughs> and um, your caption about it was some ridiculous caption. I don't really remember, but just basically about how delicious it was and didn't feel bad about eating it. And it was just brilliant, like nourishing and that you were thoroughly enjoying it and that you didn't really care. And I just loved it. I was like, wow, she's just so honest, so real and so connected. So that was kind of where I first wanted to start with this was how did you arrive at intuitive eating? What was behind it? What is it actually? Yeah, 100%. Um, So cool. I actually, as you're saying that, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) This beautiful French pastry when I was in Paris. So cool. Yeah. How did I arrive at intuitive eating? I really arrived at this relationship with intuitive eating out of necessity. So at a certain point in time, my relationship with food, my relationship with my body was really distorted. I found that my body and I felt like there was this separation. I felt like my body was against me. I felt like I was always having to control my body. Like my body was this animal in a cage. And unless I really put a lot of mind work and conscious infrastructure around how to work with my body, then the beast wouldn't be tamed. Then I would be taken over by the beast. 
And to me, what that looked like was my worst fears of gaining weight or it changing or something happening that was beyond my control because I had such strong associations between body size, the way that my body looked and worthiness and success. And we can look at this from a conscious perspective and think, well, duh, I know that as your friend, I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to think the world of you, whether your meat suit changes or not. But from a programming perspective, if we have such strong associations between our acceptance and our safety in our lives and our ability to be loved in our lives and in a variable that is anything outside of our inherent worthiness, then it puts your body in fight and flight, makes you freak out right? And lose your ish. So for me, controlling food was a means of being able to tame that beast. My relationship of controlling food and why I was controlling that beast in the first place was a result of trauma over the course of my life. I endured sexual trauma at the beginning of my life as a child again as an adult. And so I felt like body sovereignty feeling like the, my body was was mine, was something I was connected to, was something I hadn't felt from a very young age. So really, my journey with intuitive eating went hand in hand with my journey of reconnecting back to my worthiness, to in my inherent worthiness. Once I was working on restoring the correlation between acceptance and worthiness, no longer equaling body size, but equaling who I am as I am right now just for being alive, my relationship with food was really able to, to restore, right? And I was able to connect back into the body's intuitive compass. And that's what intuitive eating is all about, right? Like reconnecting back into the your body's innate ability to tell you signs and signals when you're full, what you like, what you don't like, how much is good enough, how much is too much. Like think about how a kid eats. A kid isn't like, well, if I look at this label, I can probably eat this amount of stuff. And, you know, a kid eats what it wants to eat and doesn't want to eat what it doesn't want to eat. And when it's full, it stops eating. Kids are still very much connected at a young age to their bodies. They're connected to that built-in intuitive compass. So intuitive eating is simply the process of connecting back into that intuitive compass that a lot of us become separated from, from traumas, from associations, from programming. So that journey of reconnection has brought me into intuitive eating and created the freedom for me to trust my body. Wow. So much wisdom just dropped yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that if we all practice just reconnecting to ourselves and listening to our bodies, it would greatly enhance just the way that we live on a daily basis. It's so important to listen to our bodies. And I think instead we listen to what society tells us, you know, and compare ourselves constantly. You mentioned acceptance and worthiness of ourselves, which is something that I myself struggled with for a long time, you know, feeling unworthy as a result of also experiencing trauma in my life. And I think a lot of people deal with this. So what did you do to move in from a space of feeling unworthy to a space of just radical acceptance of yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. So it took a rock bottom 
it really took me to be in the space to be like, okay, all of this stuff that I'm doing right now, it's not working. The control, it's not working. I'm exhausted. I still, even even if I think that each milestone that I would arrive at, whether it was at body size, whether it was at success and career, whatever it may be, I kept arriving at these milestones and still not accepting myself. So it really required me to dive in and say, okay, I keep pulling, you know, trying to pull at all of these different aspects outside of myself in, in order to come into that full acceptance. When what I really need to do is to venture so deeply inside of myself and take an inventory of what's happening within me. What is the architecture that is taking place? What are the systems that have been built that I'm relying upon? And how can I rebuild these systems? So Really, how I've arrived at this place of acceptance was out of, again, necessity. It was about allowing my curiosity to lead, seeing what wasn't working and saying, okay, let's try like just relying upon that intuitive compass. And along the way, through my curiosity, allowing instead of each time hitting a wall and saying, that's it, I give up. Instead of doing that, saying, okay, that didn't feel necessary. That didn't feel good. Let's try on something else. And it was like this shopping cart as I went along over a couple of years where I tried on different clothing, if you will, different methodologies, different understandings, some that percolated with inside of me or the intuitive pull to work with it percolated inside of me. And then different methods I brought into my shopping cart. And all those methods really are containers for me to come more into myself, to connect more into that intuitive wisdom. And by being in a container with breathwork, with yoga, with hypnosis, energy healing, with all of the different tools that I have in my belt now, each one offered me a chance to reconnect back, a chance to come back to my third eye, a chance to expand, crack open so I could receive more light. And each opportunity where I listened to my intuitive compass and it showed me the way was further evidence that I could trust myself, that I could be all that I am. And more and more evidence, all that's available for you to do is then to trust and fully accept that in the face of uncertainty, which is the only true truth in this world, you can trust your intuitive compass to guide you. You can be in full allowing and acceptance of yourself. And when you're in full allowing and acceptance of yourself, you can find ease, softness, and joy. Yeah, and you're right. It's healing, I think, is it's not a one-size-fits-all. You do have to sort of shop and try, try the breath work, try yoga, try therapy, and see what works for you. There's so much out there, right? And it's just about making, taking the initiative and making yourself your passion project. So I definitely agree with that, which actually leads me to my my next thought, which is something that I experienced with you at the start of the pandemic, which was the code, which is a program that Mary launched. Basically, every week we would meet. Mary, you can probably describe it better than me, but for my for me, my experience was was so beautiful with this program that Mary launched was a space in a container of women weekly meeting where Mary led us through um, teachings and sharing, teaching us about everything from intuitive eating to breath work, going through shadow work. And it was honestly really essential for my sanity at that time. 
I learned so much and I found it so fascinating as well as met an incredible group of women that, you know, we all went through such a transformation together. What was the driving force behind creating the code? Yeah. So the code is like my firstborn child, you know, (laughs) Um, that for me was such a not only like my most proud accomplishment, but it was such a it was like really initiation for me as well to grow. So when I made the code and why I created the code, the birth of the code happened because I saw this need for people to reconnect back to that intuitive wisdom. Like everything that I just spoke about when it comes to full acceptance, I wanted to take the blueprint that I was using with my one-on-one clients and I wanted to create it in a group format so that everyone had the opportunity to collapse the timeline of what is like four, 10 years of therapy in 10 weeks. And to do that in a catalytic way, it requires you to have a group of people actually, because each person that finds themselves inside of that group container, the code. And for just to give everyone an overview of the code, the code is simply from the physical to the emotional bodies. So, and, and everything in between. So the energetic body, the mental body, all aspects of yourself, aligning those to the essential truth that you were divine co-creator being. Meaning you have the ability to be the architect of your reality. Using intuitive eating, using shadow work to release anything that is preventing that flow of divine consciousness from moving through you. The code incorporates all of these different containers and tools just to help you plug yourself back in. And I created it with the group, like I was just to circle back to what I was saying before, because no one finds themselves inside of that container if it's not on purpose. Like everyone who arrives in that container arrives, I truly believe has a contract to arrive there so that everyone is a mirror for one another. So even though you might be watching someone else speak about what they're going through in their experience, it is divinely set up as such that you see a part of yourself in someone else. So while they're talking and working through their stuff, you are actually able to work through yourself as well with them as proxy simply by maintaining this witness consciousness. And that's what makes it so powerful. The code was born out of the necessity I saw for people going through this dark night of the soul, being in these rock bottoms that COVID had pulled the rug out from underneath a lot of us, where we had built these realities for ourselves that weren't actually working in the first place, but we had enough distractions going on that we didn't really have to address it and allowed you to go into this container and with a bunch of soul sisters, plug yourself back in and become more of what you have always been. Yeah, that's definitely what I experienced. It was very powerful. And the idea of healing through community, I think is so important. And I've definitely experienced it several times in my life. And it's seen in many aspects, really, now that I've been going through, you know, getting sober, I've attended AA and I see how important it is for these people. And even for me too, it's been part of my healing to see other people struggling through their addictions, through, you know, getting sober with alcohol. Many years ago, I did also go to rehab and now patient rehab where we did group therapies is when I was younger on a weekly basis. And it's just so important to be amongst community. And then the code, I just realized, you know, I'm very attracted to healing through community. It's always been, I guess, in my nature been a long journey of my healing, but 
it was it was so powerful to be in this space. So thank you for holding that space, bringing that group together. I was I was in the first code, so I feel special. It was also the first time that I ever did shamanic breathwork, breathwork of any kind, actually. And that was with you via Zoom. It actually, it really changed my life. I had a huge realization. It was a crazy experience. I was laying there in my New York City apartment on the ground, locked my door. My fiance was my boyfriend at the time in the other room. He did not know what was going on in there. I'm just with the, with the computer screen, you know, doing this breath work with you and the other women. And it was just so incredible. 45 minutes doing this breath work. And I could not believe that I was all I was doing was breathing. And at the end of it, I was sweating, completely sweating. And can you just share a little bit about breath work in more detail? Like what it is? What are the benefits? Um, how did your journey with breath work begin even? I love that you're speaking to that because that that sweating is like a purge of energy, right? There's so many different things that can happen. Breathwork is so beautiful because it allows us to artfully descend into our subconscious minds. Our subconscious minds drive about 95% of our actions, right? It's the unconscious computer that saves us time, that makes decisions on our behalf so that we, we can use our conscious space to use towards the novelty stimuli that enter into our lives. And so breath work is so cool because it's like you go on a shamanic journey using your breath. So just to give people an idea of what this type of breath work is, just because it's really different than pranayama, what some of us are used to if you attend a yoga class, this shamanic breath work is a one-to-one ratio of inhalation to exhalation at a moderate to rapid pace. And what this does over a long, prolonged period of time without stopping is it's not hyperventilating because you're, you're breathing into your diaphragm and you're breathing in through your nose. So it's not stimulating your fight and flight nervous system. It's stimulating your rest and digest. And what it does, it slowly oxygenates yourself so that you slip into an alternate state of consciousness and it slips you into this shamanic-like realm to this dream-like realm where you're able to witness unhealed emotions, unintegrated aspects of self, and truly witness and be with it and feel safety in it. But it also allows you space to receive downloads, to receive understandings, sometimes even to like talk to loved ones who've passed on. Like it's a really mystical space and it's a really profound experience because that ego overlay that exists always that's here to help us survive, right? But sometimes can pull us away from our divine birthright, which is love, expansion, and joy. It allows that ego overlay to dissolve. And you're kind of using your breath like a plant medicine, right? It's like you're, you're like wildly hallucinating during this experience in this space, just using your, your elixir of life, your breath. Breath work is not only, I mean, there are so many physical benefits to it, right? Like you're oxygenating your system, your cells are able to release, you you purge physically from your lungs. So you release a lot of metabolites, you release a lot from your lungs, you release from your skin, but energetically your body will release. So you may find yourself shaking or sweating or getting really hot or cold or crying or, or maybe you want to, you know, you're, you're speaking, like there are so many ways for you to release and it allows your body to somatically 
So of the body, we store our emotions, we store our traumas in the body, and it allows us to process and release stuff that maybe we've never been able to release before because our body's been so trapped in a fight and flight response, or it just hasn't felt that safety to fully release. So that's what breath work allows you to do. It allows you to see yourself in your wholeness and it allows you to feel that safety and release pieces and parts of yourself that are no longer in resonance with you, patterns, beliefs, and behaviors even so that you can allow and welcome in expansion. And what's so interesting about the code is that the code was constructed completely through a series of breathwork journeys. Like I made the code like that because I, for every week, like actually like every week during quarantine, did a breathwork journey at least once a week. And I would come out of that and download new understanding of what was supposed to go into this program. So I was so connected to this program from a heart-centered space that when it was presented, like there wasn't a hitch in the whole thing. Even though I was just figuring it out as I went along the way, this was my baby, this was my first time. The breathwork facilitated a sense of certainty because it was coming from my heart. Yeah, and I, I totally feel that when I experienced breathwork with you and actually continued to practice on my own. Um, and I, I did a couple of other journeys with breathwork. It seems to be a, a moment where the mind just absolutely quiets and you can finally really be with yourself. Just listen to yourself like nothing, you know, just absolute stillness. So it does feel, allow a space where you can receive answers, where you can really you know, just talk with yourself <laughs> and receive messages, realizations. So beautiful. I'm a big fan of breath work, but you mentioned plant medicine. And I actually heard your latest podcast where you were talking about bufo, psychedelics. I have done a fair share of psychedelics. I took acid when I was 15 years old. Um, so uh, needless to say, I have not felt the need to continue with psychedelics, plant medicine, whatever you want to call it at this point in my life. Now I'm you know, fully, fully sober, not really engaging in this kind of thing. Breath work is pretty much as far as I'll take it these days. But I, I know that a lot of people have a very close connection with plant medicine, with psychedelics, as you do and have had beautiful experiences. So I loved listening to you, to your journey with Bufo and with, with psychedelics. So I'm curious, can you speak a little bit about this and just how has plant medicine played a role in your life? Totally. <laughs> I love talking about nature medicines. <laughs> it is. I mean, at some point in my life, if I'm not in some way, shape or form facilitating or working with these medicines from a professional perspective, I would be shocked to death. It's something that's def that definitely calls to me, but I'm just waiting for the right time. I first want to distinguish between nature medicines and drugs. Because the first time, like I was explaining to someone that I was going to go do ayahuasca, which is a brew that contains dimethyltryptamine DMT, um, that I was going to go to Co Costa Rica and then I was going to do a retreat, a week retreat, um, drinking ayahuasca. They were like, so you're going to go do drugs in the jungle. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. So the difference between what we think of as drugs and what plant medicine is, is drugs is an invitation to buffer away from your reality. It gives you the opportunity to not feel what you want to feel, to not see what you want to see. 
and it introduces a sense of certainty, right? Like if I drink enough of this drink, it will produce X result. If I take enough of this drug, it will produce X result, right? Plant medicines are the opposite because plant medicines don't allow you to walk away or escape from that reality. Rather, it relies upon you and requires you to venture so deeply in that reality that you cannot avoid what you've been avoiding any longer. I'm just a consciousness pioneer and I listen to my body and my body wants me to go on this journey of being able to pioneer these spaces, not that they haven't been pioneered before, but to share experiences so others can see what's possible for them. If it's in resonance, right? So nature medicines encompass plant medicine like ayahuasca, like mushrooms, like iboga. There's so many different kinds. And then you have bufo alvarius, which is a Bufo alvarius is a toad from the Sonarian Desert. And it has this venom that has 5-MeO-DMT and you can smoke the venom and it's been used, you know, it's not just like people are going in and just like finding these frogs and smoking them, right? But I remember the first time I told my family, they were like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's been, it's been a rite of passage. All of these medicines, these nature medicines, have been rites of passage or have been used in tribes where these medicines are native to for very long times to allow people to enter into a new iteration of themselves to be all that they are. What I like to think of these plant medicines and these nature medicines as as containers for us. So much like breathwork is container, much like programs, having someone one-on-one, a healer, a therapist is creating a container for you to talk to you, right? For you to sit with you and be like, hey, this is what's up. This is what you got to look at. Here's the gig. Yes, the mystical nature and and I think a divine wisdom exists inside of these plant medicines and these nature medicines that allow you to have these very mystical experiences that allow aspects that have always been there, but maybe you're, you haven't been aware of to enter into the scene. And I think that that's very healing, but it just catalyzes and creates a container for you to move through patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that are holding you back in a way that's almost instantaneous. What's awesome about a lot of these nature medicines, specifically ayahuasca and bufo alvaria. So for those who don't know, ayahuasca is a, it's a vine and a leaf that when brewed together, allow your body to absorb DMT, which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. NNDMT is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. And then 5-MeO-DMT is the active ingredient in Bufo. Getting technical here. She knows it all. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to keep it like surface level with this, but I just, I have a science background, so I can't like help myself sometimes. (laughs) No worries. The main idea is that the DMT is the main ingredient here and the DMT is the spirit molecule. So what these DMT derivatives do, even though they're two very different experiences, is they really allow you to witness expanded states of being that have always been there but would be hard to access unless you did a lot of meditation, hypnosis, breath work. Something that you should know is that you can reach the same understandings the same crystallization of ideas that you receive with plant medicine without plant medicine. Because plant medicine isn't necessarily right for everyone. 
nature medicines aren't necessarily right for everyone. And I think that's so important to talk about because I think we like to glorify and like, it's like sexy to have this experience, right? To like go take this mystical thing that allows you to blow the doors off of your consciousness and change your reality. Yeah. If it's in resonance for you, it can be such a powerful tool, but it might not be. And you can still arrive at those same places that plant medicines offer you without plant medicine. You can do it on your own. And I think that's super important because I don't want to ever put anyone on a pedestal for participating in something because they're really intense. Like they're really intense. Like it still blows my mind that I do this stuff. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, but for me, it it was the path that my body chose to, to use these nature medicines to come so deeply into myself. And it has been really instrumental in allowing, I have a very strong ego, like really fucking strong. I have a a fighter in me that sometimes really wants to hold on to her way of being, still does, even though this is my job. So for me to enter into the realm of plant medicine where I can really work with this and learn how to surrender over and over and over again, because surrender is the only real truth that it is. Right now in the present moment is the only working material that we have. The past, no longer here. The future, an illusion. All we have is now. So to be able to learn how to surrender to the uncertainty that is inevitable because certainty of the future isn't real is why I go to plant medicine, why I work with nature medicine. So being able to explore and give people the opportunity to see what's possible for them with these nature medicines is why I share my stories. And I think that it's something that I'm good at. Like it's something that comes very naturally to me is to take something that is hard to explain and distill it so that people can understand what this could be like for them so that they can see, okay, this could be a path that I might want to take. And I've had people, you know, who reached out to me like, thank you for sharing about this ayahuasca center, this medicine. It gave me the opportunity and the confidence to go and do it. And it changed my life. And that to me is, is so worth it. Yeah. Well, appreciate you sharing your experience. First of all, I love that you're passionate about it. I agree. I think like you said before, it's not a one size fits all. So I think everybody has to find their own journey for sure. And I know that these plant medicines, they can be dangerous too. So I think it's important to just disclose that too. Like you said, it can be glorified. There was one point why I was interested in ayahuasca, but I know that there is some cases where it can cause seizures. Um, I am disposed to having seizures. I have a bit of a seizure disorder due to something, to a, a dependency that I developed on a, to a medication. So my brain chemistry is a little messed up. Um, so I would never do ayahuasca, but it can bring out certain things in people. So for example, I know that I've read that if you have a mental health disorder, it can bring that out in you. I do want to disclose. I don't I don't know that it's for everyone. But like you said, if you're called to it, then it could be your journey. I definitely have no no judgment around it. But also, I think if you're on the path of sobriety and you have had addiction issues, I think it could also maybe open up doors again for you. So I think it's important to be cautious of that if you're living on a, on a more clear path of sobriety or, or really working towards that. I would definitely advise that you probably don't do plant medicine. At least that would be my experience because I think it would really trigger some things within me. So just wanted to share that as well in talking about this. Yeah, I think that's super important. Like there are definitely contraindications when it comes to plant medicine. Like if you have a history with seizures, heart conditions, there is a list of contradictions when it comes to these medicines. And that's okay, right? 
then it just, it, it's great. Then amazing. Then there are so many different containers and different medicines like cacao. That's a plant medicine that you can use. And like the breath work, honestly, like you said, we can arrive on our own to these spaces. And I, I do believe in that. I, I believe that I have gotten to these realizations, to these moments of stillness on my own. A hundred percent. I have had breathwork journeys that are just as powerful, if not more powerful, than ayahuasca ceremonies. Legitimately. Like, they're the same. In my mind, I kind of treat them as the same. There are contradictions to breathwork, conscious connected breathwork as well. You can get there just by sitting in with yourself, right? Allowing yourself to be in the stillness and the connection of yourself. You can arrive at all those po- at all of those points. Know that whatever is for you will arrive exactly as it's supposed to. And that it's super important to consult, you know, your team of healers, of doctors, if you do decide to participate with these to make sure you're keeping yourself safe, that you're keeping your brain safe, and that you're working with people who are of high integrity. No cutting corners. If it is in resonance with you to work with these medicines, work with people who have long lineages, who have worked with this medicine for a while, who know what they're doing, who have the correct set and setting. Super important, especially, especially with ayahuasca. I have some people who are like, yeah, I'm going to go to upstate New York and do ayahuasca. I'm like, don't do that. Like, do not do that. That's a bad idea. Like, you need to do it with someone who's an indigenous, who is, was their grandfather and their grandfather's grandfather and their grandfather's grandfather. I've drank with shaman who are from the US who have only been doing it for 10 years. And yeah, it was still impactful. But the difference between drinking with someone who it's passed down in their lineage and it's in their energy and their control and command of the space is so different. It's like going, you know, going to a plastic surgeon in New York City rather than going to a, you know, a plastic surgeon in the middle of nowhere who I, I, this is like a very weird example, but we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> who, who maybe like just came out of their first year of school. You know what I mean? Like it, they might still be get the job done, but is it the quality? Is it the depth? Is it what you want? Many of us live life disconnected from our bodies, feeling out of control and reactive. We lose control of our emotions, scream at our children, the dog, our partners. This affects our lives negatively. It hurts our relationships and ultimately it hurts us. Breathwork has been one of the most powerful rituals that I've developed in building a better relationship with myself, my body, and my emotions. Through breathwork, I'm able to move from a reactive state to a proactive state, and this has positively changed my life, my relationships, my health, my career, and ultimately led me on a healing journey. So that's why I'm so excited to announce the launch of my new platform, Ray Rituals, a membership community that offers on-demand breathwork practices that you can integrate into your everyday life to energize, balance, and relax your mind and body while supporting you in healing. Through Ray Rituals, you can build a breathwork practice where you instinctually start to come back to your body and are able to process your emotions and release them. It's an unlearning of what the world has taught you to push your feelings down, to distract yourself and keep going, but instead to pause, to breathe, feel, and move. It's simple, it's quick, and it's effective. Join me and sign up for Ray Rituals now at rayrituals.com. It's time to take your power back one breath at a time. 
So I want to move to another question, which is how has manifestation played a role in your journey? Yeah. You're a manifestation queen. So I, I think this will be a great topic for us. Yeah. Okay. So manifestation is is quickly becoming one of those things that I'm being called to share with a collective. And it's actually really cool that we're having this conversation right now because I just launched this course called The Portal. It's three manifestation experiences live with me over Zoom. And each experience has a masterclass where we're dropping consciousness codes into your aura. All of that means we're helping you to understand the architecture of manifestation and what that means for you. We're giving you actionable steps, actionable tools. And then the second half is a hypnosis energy healing. So the hypnosis wires in the work into the subconscious mind. And then the energy healing wires in the work into the energetic body. So it's a very holistic way of going about manifestation. Anywho, that's felt really yummy for those three. I I had the first one last night. It was so dope. For the three different classes or experiences that we're having, we had the first one on purpose and prosperity. The second one is on pleasure and partnership. And the third one is on wealth. So trying to hit the places where I see people looking to work with manifestation the most. Manifestation is just life. We think about manifestation as like, woo, it's manifestation, it's magic. I want the million dollars. I want the G-Wagon, right? It's like, we think of it as like this witchy practice that we do. And there are, you know, there are things that we can do with it that make it into this like fun witching ritualness, right? Which is beautiful. Ritual is just a way of introducing beauty and intention into a way of being. But manifestation is just life. Manifestation is the process of allowing ourselves to move from a space of victim consciousness. So I am the pawn in the game of my life to co-creator consciousness. I am the creator of the game of my life. There are some places in our life where we are more in victim consciousness than others. Things are happening to me. I am the force being acted upon. This person is, it's because of this person that this isn't happening or this person did this to me, right? It's not taking responsibility for the fact that we are at cause for everything in our life. Anything that is happening in our lives, we allow it to be so. Manifestation is the journey of moving into that co-creator consciousness. Everything is happening for me so that you can consciously select your reality, the frequencies that you want to embody. And frequency is just alluding to energy, right? So we can consciously select the energies that we want to embody that allow us to be all that we are. So we will manifest two aspects in our life, okay? We will either manifest the opportunity for us to heal lack, limitation, separation from the truth. And that truth is we are all of one. I am you. You are me. We're all reflections of one another. We are all connected. We are all an image of source consciousness. We all have source consciousness running through us. We are divine co-creators. This is your fucking video game. Like we are here (laughs) to have fun, to make it fun, right? To make it joyful. The world is an illusion for us to experience and know ourselves in a deeper way. The universe throws us a solid and allows us opportunities when we choose 
for ourselves. Maybe it's a job, right? So say, for example, there's a job, you like really want this one job and this job opportunity shows up. That's not quite the one that you want, but you're like, you know what? I could be happy here. This could be it. Anytime you are settling, you are in lack, limitation, or separation from the truth that you can have and occupy space as the thing that you want to be most, right? Your desires are your compass for where it is that you're supposed to go. If you choose the job that isn't in full alignment with you, ultimately what will happen is the universe will apply pressure to the situation because the universe wants you to align back to your true alignment, wants you to align back to your true inheritance, to your true setting, which is joy, which is flow in the moment, which is to have the job to the exact specifications that allow you to be all that you are. In instances like that, you are given the opportunity to heal why you believe it wouldn't be possible for you to have that job that would allow you to be all that you are so that you settled for this one. So you will always be put in a space where you're given the opportunity to be molded by the experience, download wisdom, and then allow yourself to move into the aligned path. What a beautiful gift that is, right? Each contraction that shows up in our life isn't something to be afraid of, isn't something to be like, shit, why didn't I figure it out this time? I've been through so many relationships. Oh my God, when am I, when is it gonna land? When am I gonna find your true partner, right? It's like, oh, great, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I be formed by this experience that I can hold out for and consciously choose the individual opportunity, job, situation, place, or thing that feels aligned with my heart center. And then the traditional manifestation, which is like what we all like think of, just like getting the million dollars, the G-Wagon, the whatever, is when we allow ourselves to align to the wants, needs, and desires that allow us to be all that we are. We become a magnet for those things in our life If it's a pair of boots, if you're manifesting a pair of boots, for example, if those pair of boots allow you to feel like the most kick-ass bitch in the world, that is a great manifestation, right? Because that allows you, that's an anchor for you to be all that you are. If that a million dollars, what does that a million dollars signify? That a million dollars signifies freedom. Freedom can allow you to be in your mission, to not have to worry about feeding yourself, your family, to have shelter over your head, et cetera. Freedom is something that we connect to. Money, not so much, right? Money is just paper, but freedom is the energy behind that. That's what you're manifesting. You're always manifesting what's behind the material thing, not really the material thing itself. Okay, so as far as how manifestation has shaped my life, manifestation has allowed me to live a life of ease, of surrender, and of trust in myself and in the universe, knowing that as long as I follow my intuitive compass, as long as I follow my heart, I can't fuck it up. Like I can't, right? I will I will be shown opportunities to heal myself and I will be shown opportunities that reflect back to me all that I am, which is a divine creator being. So now, just to give you an overview, like I've manifested partnership. I've manifested apartments. I've manifested eight-month like random living situation in Paris. I've manifested 
months in Tulum and Costa Rica. I've manifested opportunities. Manifestation isn't something I do. It's just something that I am because I occupy space as this version of myself who is in trust in the universe, is in trust that whatever is for me will not bypass me. So I can find ease, peace, and calm and down-regulated nervous system knowing that everything happens exactly the way that it's supposed to. I love that. And thank you for the explanation too of manifestation. I think you have a beautiful description of it because I think a lot of people do sort of think of it as this little mystical fantasy thing, <laughs> but, but it is so much more than that. It's connecting to the energy, as you said, behind the actual physical object that you are dreaming of, the G-Wagon, the money. Yeah. What do you actually want? You know, what do you want to feel? What are you visualizing for your life? And I love that you refer to your life as a video game too. That's awesome. I mean, it's I, I re, every single day I'm like, whoa, wait, this is my game. It is. I can do what I want. <laughs> like, what if I what? Why am I freaking out about this? Like, okay, let's pause here for a moment. Yeah, I think my life would look like The Sims, honestly. Like, have you ever played The Sims? I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, who hasn't? Rosebud. <laughs> But um, one of the things I really want to know, I wanted to ask you was, what is the biggest awakening that you've experienced in your life and when did it happen? Um, Yeah, what's really interesting about awakenings is like awakening is like a continuous process. And if you're a healer, your whole job is to venture so deeply inside of yourself and to contract so fucking hard that you create space each and every time that you that you venture in so deeply that you bring these gems out to share with the world, right? To show other people what's possible for them, to show them that they can collect their own gems with inside of them. I've gone through a lot of awakenings. I've gone, I call them initiations. So for me, I'm a mystic in nature. So my awakenings are pretty mystical. The ones at the beginning of your life or the beginning of your journey of awareness are the ones that you refer to because they were the ones that like put you on the path. I would dare to say that since then I've had some pretty atomic awakenings, but the ones that have been super that like put me on the path, one was I actually went to this circle with uh Mama Medicine who works in New York City. She's really interestingly enough, she used to be an ayahuascaro, but somehow this like isn't talked about. But she was an ayahuascaro, meaning she was a student of ayahuasca for like 10 years and the Amazon learned how to work with the energetic realms, with the spirit realms. Before I actually go into the story, I think it is important to understand and define what awakening means. Awakening just means expanded awareness. You are able to take yourself out of your equation for a moment and witness yourself. That's all an awakening is. And each time you expand, you become more and more and more awakened to your truth. So it's just expansion of awareness, right? I think sometimes people like to think of awakening as like, you're being raptured by a spirit and it becomes like, you know, it's not that Hollywood. Like I know lots of people who have awakenings that are not this mystical. For me, I'm just a mystic. So it sounds more mystical. But my first awakening was in a medicine circle with, De with Deborah Hanekamp, Mama Medicine, she laid us all down and then she sang these medicine songs that they actually traditionally use in ayahuasca. This all comes so full circle for me, okay? So she sings these songs and these songs help to alter, these songs transmit the frequency of the plants. These medicinal plants help, again, to create containers for experience. I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, I'm just sitting in the circle. What are you gonna like, just heal me? You know what I mean? 
through that, I went into this deep meditation. You know, there's like 10 of us in a room. We're sitting down in a circle. We're all laying down on pillows. All of our heads are pointed to the center. She's in the center. She's singing these songs. She's using these instruments. And it's dark. And we're just floating off into this meditation. And in that meditation, it was the first time I ever had a vision. And I had this vision that I was in the room and I was laying on this gold platform. And around this gold platform were all of these golden angels with their wings wrapped around me. And then my grandmother, who I was really close with, who had since passed, walked into the room like clear as day, walked into the room wearing this paisley turtleneck she was used to wear and like her medal. And she smiled at me and she put her hands on my feet and she pressed down on them. And I just felt this like jolt of electricity. And she just kind of giggled and like looked at me and then walked away. And the experience, it wasn't like an exchange of words, but an inner knowing. Something flipped, a switch flipped where I was like, holy shit, like I'm a soul in a body, right? It is not like the other way around. Like humans are divine. Like I have the capacity to choose a life that I desire. And it just, it switched something in me. I can't quite put it into words. That was the first one. And then like the second one happened when I worked with ayahuasca. So I'd been doing healing work already. And then I got this intense pull to work with ayahuasca. So I went to Costa Rica. I worked with the medicine and it allowed me to release childhood trauma and to actually release a lot of stuff within my lineage on my dad's side. And it was the first time that it was placed into my field if you told me like a couple months before that, that I would become an energy healer and I'd be like working with breath work, you know, channeling and, do, and working in those realms, I would never believe you. I'd be like, there's no way. <laughs> so it really awakened me. And, and it was like, there was no questioning. Like I came out of that and I was like, okay, time to become an energy healer. It, like it, it's time, right? I'm like, oh, got it. Can't waste any more time. Got to get to it. You know, I'm being called. I know it's like so cliche. Oh, I went to the jungle. I did ayahuasca and I had an awakening. Like so many stories begin like that. But I don't think that's not a coincidence that it is that way. I think that this medicine is making its way around the world. I mean, I have friends who've never worked with these and have profound spiritual awakenings. My mom, so my mom is clairvoyant, clairaudient, but she works. It's really interesting because we basically do the same thing, but she's really Catholic. So she does it all under like Catholic terms. But we do the same thing. I talked to her about this stuff. Like the stuff that happens in my world is also happening in her world, but she just has like a different, she has different words for it is basically the way that I say it. So her spiritual awakenings have happened through prayer, through meditation, through devotion, through continuously choosing to come back to the wisdom within, which is the way that she sees it as God's wisdom, as consciousness, as source. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it's it's true. You know, we can have mystical awakenings we can have practical awakenings, religious awakenings. It is whatever form is appropriate really for you. Like, so that, I think that distinction is, is important for us to make. An awakening does not have to be something crazy. It can literally be, as you said, an expansion, a shift. I appreciate you sharing those stories. It's so beautiful. And so beautiful how you were open to it as well. And you just accepted. Time to go. <laughs> Don't question the message. I'm ready. And I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. 
So I have one last question, which is one that is important to me. Um, is sustainability a part of your life? And if it is, in what way? Sustainability is is like really like a necessary fabric of our society now. We have one planet. I mean, for me, I would say my passion around sustainability lies in, you know, being really intentional about the the materials that I use, the people that I'm purchasing from, like making sure that I'm reusing, that I'm recycling, that I'm being conscious, right? For me, I guess sustainability, what it looks like and its actionability is it's a choice, right? With each way that I'm exchanging my energy, am I exchanging my energy in a way that is sustainable or attainable? I guess really all aspects of my life, it just turns to being conscious and regarding and respecting Mother Gaia, respecting our earth, respecting the fruits, respecting the life and death cycle, and respecting that the way that we treat our external environment, the way that we treat and use our purchasing power is a direct reflection of what we believe to be true internally. If you are using your energy to purchase and to exchange with sources that are only attainable, that won't last and that will be of detriment to not only you, but the planet as well. If we can choose sustainably, each decision adds up. Each decision is you investing in your frequency and in the frequency of the world. Definitely. It makes sense. How we treat the planet is a reflection of how not only we treat ourselves, but how we're treating other people. I feel it's all connected. You know, I always talk about three-step philosophy and I think, I think it really starts with ourselves. You know, what's our relationship to ourselves? What's our relationship to other, other people? And then what's our relationship to the world? I think it has to be in that order as well. How can you expect someone to care about the planet if they don't even care about themselves? It is an exact reflection. You know, it has to be all connected. I really appreciate your perspective. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate what you're doing with your mission and with Pildora. Like, I think like you're a true pioneer in what you're creating and like that energy that you are helping to raise the the collective conscious of the planet, right? By helping people and giving them avenues to consciously select how they want to use their energy, how they want to exchange their energy, the goods and materials that they want to choose for themselves in their lives. Yes, it is all energy at the end of the day. (laughs) Um, we've, we've covered a lot. I feel that this has been such an amazing time speaking with you. I miss you so much. I'm happy that we've had this moment. I feel we haven't stayed in contact enough. I love, love, love my time with you, Mary. And I'm so excited to also be going on Mary's retreat at the end of this month in Tulum, where hopefully we're going to have a whole other awakening together. (laughs) But yes, I'm so happy we got to spend some time together and just cover everything today. It has been such, such a magical time. I truly admire you as a healer, as a guide. Honestly, I have learned so much from you. Um, Such an inspiration. Really love you so, so much. So thank you so much, Mary. Thank you so much, Christina. It's been such a pleasure to be on this podcast and to thank you for giving the opportunity for me to be able to have these conversations with you because it's so important just by listening to this conversation, other people are able to see what is possible for themselves. And I'm so excited for Tulum. I'm so excited to see you again, to be reunited, to play. Oh my God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, so where exactly, where can, where can anyone listening to this podcast find you? Where can we see Mary? 
Yeah. So the best place to find me is at Ritual and Routine on Instagram. Um, And from there, you can really access all the different resources that I have. I have programs. I have a mastermind that I'm about to launch for healers, coaches, psychics, and mediums. Um, I have a podcast called the Ritual and Routine Podcast that you can find where all podcasts are available. And I have a Telegram group, which is a great place if you are a conscious individual looking for other spiritual conscious individuals. Just a good place to chat and to create community. Awesome. Check out all of Mary's goods. <laughs> She's such an inspiration. I love all of your Instagram posts. I love everything you do. So definitely slide into her DMs. All right. Thank you so much, Mary. And we to see you soon. Thanks, honey. I'm Christina Ray, and you've been listening to the Power for Good podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another powerful conversation. Share a story of how you are using your power for good by sending me a DM on my Instagram at Christina Ray Almeida. I'll be sharing your stories at the end of every episode weekly. If you're interested in learning more on how we can work together, head to my website, IamChristinaRay.com and let's connect. Sending you so much love and remember, you are powerful.